Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Atlas Benefits. Atlas Benefits has solutions for your insurance needs. Atlas Benefits can help you obtain Medicare, health, or life insurance, and employee benefits. You can find them on the web at www.atlasbenefits.com. Or you can contact Rob Ducey or Roy Smith at 727-600-2892 and mention Legacy Battle Podcast. Atlas Benefits has all the solutions for your insurance needs. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Legacy Battle. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, iHeart, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can sponsor the show. Hit us up in the comments section. Michael Adams here, creator of Legacy Battle. Joining me tonight, Penn State Collegiate All-Star Kevin Adams, Ball State athlete Paul Havocott from Steelers Nation South, Rollo Cawthon. And our special guest tonight, we're joined by a former hockey player who played, played in the NHL for the Flyers, Hawks, and Whalers, but he's, most of his career was spent in the World Hockey association and he was basically the greatest player there he's gonna make our list tonight guaranteed okay um he's two-time leading scorer there league's all-time leading scorer 1974 he represented canada in the summit series against the russians we'll definitely ask about that in our q a later he was a part of the 2010 inaugural world hockey association hall of fame and he's even got a book out there. You can get it on Amazon called After the Second Snowfall, My Life on and Off the Ice. So join us tonight, Andre Lacroix. Thank you, Andre, for coming. My pleasure, guys. My pleasure to be with you guys. Looking forward to this debate. We're going to be talking about the Mount Rushmore of the World Hockey Association tonight. And we're starting it out with Bobby Hall. Bobby Hall, the, uh, the most famed member of the hotline on the WHA with uh, Andres Hedberg and Alf Nilsson. He was the third all-time leading scorer in the WHA. He was a two-time AFCO Cup winner, two-time Gordie Hull, Gordie Hull, Howe, Gordie Howe uh, trophy winner. Um, he, and he did a lot, all that after the age of 34. He was 36 years old when he hit 77 goals, which at the time was a record. Uh, he, in the 75-76 season, he was uh, fourth in points, second in goals. So he did all this on the backside of his career um, in the WHA. And he like said he's the third leading scorer of all time in the WHA. Um, what can I say about, about uh, Bobby Hall? Also known as the, the Golden Jet. Golden Jet. Yeah, of course. And uh, he was represented in a, in a show we did prior when we did the greatest father and son duos in sports when we had Golden Brett and the Golden Jet. So, Andre, tell us your thoughts on Bobby Hall. I mean, he is famous for basically creating the curved blade. So what are your thoughts on Bobby? Well, I played with Bobby in Chicago when I got traded from the Flyers. And when I got to Chicago, I was talking to Pitt Martin. I was talking to Stan Makita, Brian Campbell, the other centers on the team. And they said to me, they said, Andre, you know why they traded for you? They traded for you because they want you to play with Bobby. But they tried everybody else and every, it's, we couldn't play with them. So he said, don't feel bad if it's not working out. So I said, oh, what a way to get into Chicago, you know. And see, I played a style of hockey where both my wingers get they see the puck. But I have to have the puck. I'm the playmaker. I played center. I have to have the puck. And Bobby wanted to get have the puck as well. And there's only one puck on the ice. So that was very difficult. Okay. And then we had Chico Mackey on the right side. And Chico was there to be like the defensive player. So the other teams knew that when, as soon as I had the puck, I had to look for Bobby. So that was easy for them to check us. So I had to change my game and I, I couldn't play that side of hockey. And one of the reasons Bobby, and Bobby's a good friend of mine, we just didn't melt together. 
one of the reasons that Bobby had a lot of success in Winnipeg with Edberg and Nilsson is because the three of them were all over the ice. And you could play that style of hockey and be successful if the three of you do it. But my style and Chico Mackey's style was not that style of hockey. So that's why it was very difficult to play with Bobby. Bobby's one of the greatest players ever, to be honest with you. To have accomplished what he's done. And he, I, I mean, every, every team he played against, he always had somebody on him to check him, to be with him all the time. He got away. And he's one of the nicest guys you want to meet. I tell people, when I played in Chicago, Bobby was as popular in Chicago as Michael Jordan was. I remember telling, asking Bobby during the winter, I said, Bobby, I said, you know everybody here. I said, I, got, I have a house in Philadelphia over, over an acre, and I need a tractor. You think you could find me one somewhere? And he said to me, he said, if you want a lawnmower, I could get your lawnmower with a tractor, you know? So I get back after the season. I go back home in Philadelphia, and I had bought a tractor at Sears, and I'm cutting the lawn, and my wife said to me, she said, Bobby, Bobby Hall's on the phone. He, he was calling me from Chicago, asking me if I had found a lawnmower. That's the way Bobby was. Bobby, it was, he would never turn down an autograph. He was nice to everybody. And Bobby could have been a great ambassador for hockey if he would have stuck to it. And you were talking earlier about the curve. That's when the, when I was in Chicago, they came, I played with a straight blade all my life. And what, what happened is they set up a rule in hockey in the morning, the referees was to come in the locker room and check your curve. That was so stupid because as soon as they left, they marked the stick, but as soon as they left, the guy made a bigger curve. So, you know, so the, the, the curve were always illegal. And a lot of coaches, what they did, the other teams, they knew that. So what happened is when the other team comes in to play, to play us, they come into a locker room to do their wash. So they would check the stick. So every once in a while near the end of the game, if the game was close or tight or one goal, then the coach would ask the referee to go check one of the guys' stick because he knew it was illegal. At that time, you got a penalty. And so th those are the kind of things that happened when uh, they first started with the curve stick. But Bobby was one of the best. On and off the ice. Excellent. Let's move on to Gordy Howe. Well, speaking of hockey ambassadors, Gordy Howe, born in, born 331 in 1928. He's one of the oldest players in the category. Gordy played 26 seasons in the NHL and only six in the WHA. So specifically in the WHA, he played 419 games, scoring 174 goals, had 334 assists for 508 total points. Gordy... They had about 399 penalty minutes and 1,212 points per game as played. He did win consecutive league, cha uh, league championships in 74 to 75 with the Houston Arrows, playing alongside his sons Mark and Marty in uh, 1974 at the age of 46. Uh, Gordy won the Gary L. Davidson Trophy, awarded to the WHA's Most Valuable Player. And guess what? After that, the trophy was renamed the Gordy Howe Trophy the following year. Howe played with the Arrows until 1977 when he and his, he and his uh, sons ended up joining the New England Whalers. You know, my main argument for Gordy is that his name transcends hockey. So, therefore, I make the connection that he ends up transcending the NHL and the WHA. He doesn't spend that much time there, but with that name, I think he's in the Mount Rushmore. So, Andre, let me ask you, was he as dominant in the WHA as he was in the NHL? He was because everybody was scared to death of him. Because if you went near him, you would get hurt. And I'll tell you a story that happened. There was an all-star game in Quebec City. And right before the all-star game, Houston at the time, they were playing Cincinnati. And uh, Robbie Fatora hurt Mark Howe in Cincinnati, against Cincinnati. So Mark basically couldn't make the all-star game. And Gordy went to see Mark in the hospital and said, you need anything? He says, take care of that SOB. In an all-star game, and Gordy drilled him in an all-star game, you know. So the thing is, I'm a little prejudiced because Gordy and I played together in Hartford. We're very good friends. And um, Gordy was the type of guy that when you were on the ice with him, you hesitated to take the puck away from him because you never knew if it was the stick or the elbow that would come to your face, to be honest with you. And 
But that's the way he played when they were only 16. He had to play that way when they were 16 because nobody had helmets, so you had to protect yourself. And Gordy was, Gordy played his whole career as 208. He weighed 208 his whole career. And that was big for those days because in, when they were 16, I would say the average weight was probably 175, 180. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember Moose Vasco when he played with the Blackhawks. He was a giant at six foot one or so. You know, but the thing with Gordy is that he brought so much to the game, so much to the game, and he made everybody look good around him. I mean, he, Gordy was a great skater, a great playmaker, and he had one of those releases that you never knew when the puck was going to be released. And he had, he had such an eye for the game. He, he, he just he was a great teacher. He loved to help the other kids on the ice, you know, and. He was like a coach without being a coach, really. And um, that's why I think Mark and Marty got it from. Because, you know, Mark, as great as you, and Mark and I, we used to live in the same town in Hartford. And we traveled together and we're still good friends. And Mark was as good of a forward as he was a defenseman. If Mark, Mark could have made the Hall of Fame at both forward and defense. That's how good he was. But he never wanted to be Gordy. He wanted to be Mark. He never looked for publicity. He never looked for anything. He just wanted to be himself. But I think Gordy deserves to have played with his two sons, to be honest with you, after what he's done for hockey and what he's done for the WHA as well. I think that uh, it proves that he, he was probably, if not the greatest, I think he was the greatest, you know, is number two at, at the worst, I think. So I, I was very proud to play with him and to be his friend. Well, you mentioned his son, so let's move on to Mark Howe. Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, Mark, Gordy's son. Played uh, six seasons in the WHA, uh, 16 seasons in the NHL. He was a left winger and a defenseman. He pretty much split his career in the WHA between uh, both positions, three three years left winger and three years a defenseman. He was one of the best two-way defensemen out there. Um He's a member of the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. He's inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2011. At age 16, he won a silver medal at the 72 Olympics uh, with Team USA. And he was only 16 years old, uh, and he was one of the team's stars. And at that point, he was one of the youngest uh, hockey players to ever win a medal. Um, you know, he, he won the Lou Kaplan Trophy as Rookie of the Year. Um, he made second team All-Star. Um, he joined the WHA in 73 to join his brother and father. Uh, and he won two championships with them in Houston, uh, like Paul had said when he was talking about Gordy. Um, he actually has dual citizenship, so he actually joined Team Canada in the 74 Summit Series and was one of the leading scorers uh, for Team Canada. Uh, he got selected in the second round of the 74 NHL draft by Boston. Um, he was the first active WHA player to be drafted by an NHL team. Um, and first of three selected in the year of 74, all three players actually turned down and opted to stay with the WHA. His brother was one of the other two. Um, but by 76, 77, he was a full-time defenseman. Uh, the Howells would move uh, to Hartford to play for New England Whalers uh, in the 77 and 78 season. Uh, they remained there until the WHA merged into the NHL in 79, becoming the Hartford Whalers. Uh, he, he has his best point season his last year in the WHA as a defenseman, where he put up 42 goals and 65 assists for 107 points. That was his highest season total uh, in all three categories, um, goals, assists, and points. His second best season was the season before that as a defenseman. Uh, he put up 30 goals, 61 assists for 91 points. So when he finished his career in, with the WHA, he was eighth in points at 504, 10th in assists at 296, 10th in goals at 208. He was the rookie of the year, first time all-star once, second time all-star once, and two-time champion. And he continued his success uh, into the NHL. He's actually uh, still working in the hockey world, and he's the director of pro scouting for the Detroit Red Wings right now. Andre, when he came into the league, did he automatically have respect because of who his father was, or did you think he had to go out and earn it? Oh, no, he, he, was, he was as great as Gordy was, to be honest with you. I believe that one of the reasons when you mentioned, they mentioned earlier that uh, he was drafted you know, by Boston and wouldn't go to Boston. Neither one of them would go because they had too much respect for their father. They all want to stay as a family, really. And 
my feeling is that if Mark Howe would have played his whole career in the NHL, they would talk about Mark Howe the way they talk about Bobby Orr, hmm. to be honest with you, okay? Because to me, Bobby Orr has done so much for the – I mean, I played against him when he was in junior, and I played in Peterborough when Bobby was in Oshawa. And I beat him for the MVP. And the reason I beat him for the MVP two years in a row is because he was two years younger than I was, to be honest with you. Okay? But Mark Howe is in the same class as Bobby Orr. That's, I really believe that. And one of the biggest mistakes the winners ever made, because Larry Plough didn't like him, they traded him to Philadelphia. Look at the success he had in Philadelphia. But, see, Mark was the type – Bobby Orr was just like Mark. It, Bobby was not looking for attention, was not looking for publicity. He just wanted to play hockey. And that's where Mark was. Mark want, just wanted to play hockey, wanted to be left alone. And Mark probably wanted the best skater in hockey, one of the best skater in hockey. And when he played defense, he was as good defensively as he was offensively on defense. And when he played forward, because I played, he played on my left wing one year. And he was the first first guy back. He had his best year as a left winger when we played together. But he was back checking. He played the game the right way. And that's why I see he would have been an all of fame as forward as well as he was on defense. And the nice thing, the nice thing about Mark is that he always he always wanted everybody else to get credit. He didn't want to get credit for anything. Okay. And I think that. He was so happy and so proud to be playing with Marty and his dad, to be honest with you. To, I really believe that was a highlight for him. It was not the WHA or the NHL. I'm playing with my dad and my brother. This is great, you know. So, And I'm glad that he stayed in hockey because he had so much to give. And I'm glad that Detroit gave him a chance to stay in hockey, to be honest with you, because of what Gordy has done for the Red Wings in the past. And uh, I talked to Mark maybe once a year. And I think he's getting ready to retire now. He, I think it's a tough job. You know, he, he's doing a great job with them, but it's a tough job. So uh, one of the greatest, and again, if he would have been in the NHL, they would talk about him the same way they talk about Bobby Orr. Well, let's move on to our first goalie tonight. It's going to be Joe Daly. All-time win leader at 167 in the WHA, 167 wins. And he's fourth in games played. So he has the most wins, and he's not even number one in games played. Goals against average, 3.37. That may sound high based off today's standards, but you got to look at the time period. We're talking 70s here, a lot different game. Uh, that was good for ninth, though, all time. He's got 12 shutouts, which puts him at fourth all time in WHA. Spent his entire WH career with the Winnipeg Jets, who, of course, are now in the NHL. Led his team to three. Avco Cups, which was the WHA championship equivalent to the Stanley Cup. Um, he was a first team and second team All-Star. He was also inducted to the inaugural WHA Hall of Fame class in 2010. He won the uh, Zavita Cup as best goaltender in 1976. He's got a career save percentage of 889, which is better than the other goalie. Or, well, I'm sorry, it's 0.3 less than the other goalie we'll discuss tonight. But, uh, he didn't spend a lot of time in the NHL, one season with the Sabres and one with the Wings. Um, but he was part of the Pittsburgh Penguins inaugural season, and he played for the old Pittsburgh Hornets going way, way, way back. So just a solid goalie all around. It would have been interesting to see what his NHL numbers would have been like, but uh, had a very, very solid career. Andre, how do you score on this guy? Well, Joe Daly, to be honest with you, was – what you call a real good goalie, like Bernie Perron type of goalie, okay? Uh, if you watch, there's only one, there's what, 35 teams in the NHL? There's only one good goalie in the NHL. He's in Tampa. <laughs> Everywhere else is average. And you know That's why? <laughs> because they all, I tell, I tell the kids that play hockey today, I said, don't play the butterfly. These guys are too good. They can put the puck, because when you get down your knees, you're dead. And I used to tell him, if you have a coach that teach you the butterfly, get rid of him. Now, if you look at the goalies in NHL, except for the goalie in Tampa Bay, they all go down their knees. And Joe Daly was the type of goalie that stood up. And he wasn't tall. Joe was short. He was, he, Joe was probably 5'10", maybe at the most. And then 
He and Bernie Perrant, if you ask them to take the puck and shoot the puck out of the zone, they could probably reach the blue line. But that was not their job. Those two goalies, you see, you don't see goalies like Joel Daly anymore, Bernie Perron, Martin Broder, you know, all, all those guys, they were stand-up goalies. Their job was to stop the puck and not give rebounds. And that's what Joe was doing. Joe was so good at directing the rebounds in the corners, they never came in front of the net. But Joe was concentrating on stopping the puck, not moving the puck, and stay on your feet and cover your angles. He was unbelievable. And you would think because of his size, there would be a lot of space to put the puck in. He knew when to come out of his net. He never came out too far. He knew how to cover his angles. He had good, you need to have good defense to be a good goalie. And he had that in Winnipeg. But you need to be a, you need to be a darn good goalie as well. And I think Joe Daly, I don't think Joe never got the credit he should have gotten, to be honest with you. And I think part of the reason, because he was playing in Winnipeg. I think if he was playing someplace else, I think he would probably got more credit than he, he should have, that he had. So I was a big fan of Joe. And you know what? You couldn't find a better guy off the ice. He's the best off the ice. Well, goalies never get the credit they deserve. They always get the They play. never do. Because the red light goes on. That's right. Let's move on to our other goalie tonight. We got two goalies that we're, uh, we're representing tonight, and that's Ernie Wakeley. Ernie Wakeley played for five different teams in the WHA. Also, he started his career at WHA with my my candidate for the um, <clears throat> WHA, Mount Rushmore, um, Bobby Hall. Um, he is second all-time in goals against average. He's got the most uh, most shutouts. Um, he also played the most games. He uh, is also third in wins, so he was a staple of the WHA because he played so many games, and he was an excellent goaltender. Um, so that's why he's uh, my honorable mention. Okay, very good goalie. How do you score on this guy? Where's his weakness? On the ice. On the ice. I played with Tony in, in San Diego, okay, and – he, he was a big reason why we had a lot of success in San Diego because of Ernie Wakeley. But Ernie didn't move his feet as well as other goalies. So the best place to, because he was taller than most of the goalies. So the best place to score on Ernie was on the ice because that's what I did in the warm up. When I was playing in the warm up, I, I didn't shoot. I just watched the other goalies because I knew when the guys shoot on their goal in the warm up, they shoot where they can score. So I always watch them to see what he would shoot, so it give me an idea during the game. But Ernie was such a great team player. I mean, he was so quiet, so quiet. And But he didn't have to say much because he was so good at stopping the puck. And also, he talked to his defense. A lot of goalies in those days, they talked to their defense. I don't think they do today as much as they used to at the time. So Ernie, Ernie was, again... The, the guys in those days, the goalies, like you said to me earlier, you know, the goalies never got credit because they get blamed if they score, but they never get credit if we win. Okay, right. they always give credit to guys like me who score the goals, but they don't give credit to guys like Ernie Wakeley and Joe Daly, who basically are the reasons why we won most of the games. So I, I always give Ernie a lot of credit because I was fortunate to play with him. He was a great goalie, and he played his angles so well. But again, he was never down his knees. He always came out and protect, protect his angles, and it was tough to score on him. Let's move on to the goalie's best friend, defenseman, J.C. Tremblay. All right, J.C. Tremblay, known by our host Mike Adams as Joe Tremble. J.C. was born in uh, was 122-1939 in Quebec, Canada, and I know – Andre is going to love this guy because, number one, he's from Quebec. And, number two, he's known for his playmaking abilities, just like Andre was. J.C. only scored 66 goals, but he had 358 assists for a total of 424 points in seven seasons in the WHA, playing from 72 to 79 as a defenseman. He had 126 penalty minutes, but I'd say J.C. overall was known for his defensive skills, the aforementioned playmaking ability, and most of all, assists. He won five Stanley Cups in the NHL. However, he only won one WHA championship with the Nordiques in 77. He retired from WHA in 79. And after that, his season 
uh, after that season, his number three jersey was retired by the Nordiques just before the franchise has moved to the NHL, thus gaining Tremblay the distinction of being one of only three players to have a number retired by an NHL team without actually playing for it. He led the WHA in assists from 73 to se- and in uh, 76, and he was second in the WHA history in assists, 14th in points and 16 in games played. He's elected as in the inaugural member uh, to the World Hockey Association Hall of Fame in 2010. And I think Andre is going to confirm this. JC's on the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> so when this guy left the NHL, he was a bona fide star going to the WHA. He might be one of the greatest defensemen, period, in any hockey to ever play. This guy was a star when he went. And he didn't leave some rinky-dink team. He left. Montreal Canadiens. I'm surprised Canada didn't shut down when that occurred. But Andre, tell us, tell us about Tremblay. I mean, that was a big move when he goes to the WHA. Well, it was a great move for many reasons. I think one of the reasons that he moved to the WHA is because Montreal would, wouldn't pay him what he want. He should have got paid, and that was a big mistake by Montreal because I don't think JC wanted to go to Quebec, even if he's from there. You know, because when you play with the Montreal Canadiens and you win so many Stanley Cup, you want to keep on winning and you want to stay with a team that, you know, you get a chance to win it. And Montreal, I don't think Montreal thought he would go to Quebec, to be honest with you. They thought he was joking. <laughs> and he said, I don't think so. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Okay. The biggest difference between J.C., Bobby Orr, and Mark Howe was the speed. J.C., I mean, Mark Howe and Bobby Orr, were great playmakers, just like J.C., but they were so much faster than J.C., okay? But J.C., what the beauty with J.C. Trombley is when when the guy was coming at him, he knew what the guy was going to do. He knew if the guy was going to pass it, the puck or not, and his stick, he always had his stick in front of him to interfere with the pass, and as slow as he was compared to Bobby and Mark, he was so quick to get to the puck you couldn't get around him. I think the good point that was made earlier is that defensively, he was unbelievable. But he was not known for his defensive play. He was known like as the next, like the, he was the next uh, Doug Harvey. When Doug Harvey was playing for the Canadians, he was a, an offensive player and a good defensive player. Then GC came along and GC was the Doug Harvey of the Canadians. And GC was so good at finding you, you could give him three inches and he would move the puck right in those three inches. And you just have to open up and he'll find you. And you know what? You watch him on the ice and J.C. Trombley is one of the guys like Bobby Orr and Markow that could have probably the whole game without getting off the ice. Because he didn't get tired. He didn't waste his energy. That's how good he was. You know, he didn't waste any skating, to be honest with you. He just skated when he had to. He made those quick steps to get away from somebody and then he always knew ahead of time. I always say in hockey, when you play hockey, you need to have plan B in case of plan A doesn't work. A lot of guys don't do that. They just go with plan A. GC was going with plan A and plan B in case plan A doesn't work. That's why it was so great. So we're going to move back to forward for our last two players tonight. Let's go to Mark Tardif. <clears throat> Mark was a left winger uh, in the NHL and the WHA mainly played for Quebec Nordiques, um, and he's the all-time leading goal scorer for the WHA. Uh, he also played for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Los Angeles Sharks, uh, and the Michigan Stags. Uh, the Sharks actually uh, moved over to Michigan because uh, they had a terrible season attendance drop. Uh, but Montreal drafted him second overall and then 69 NHL draft. Um, and he would spend that first season in the AHL, and he was one of the leading scorers for their team in the AHL. Uh, he entered the WHA in 73. He was a leading scorer for the LA Sharks and was named to play for Team Canada in the, in the 74 Summit Series. Uh, the Sharks would move to Michigan, as I had mentioned, and Tardif played very well uh, before he was traded over to Quebec. Um, in Quebec, he became one of the league's most dominant stars. Uh, he finished uh, the 74-75 season with 50 goals. Um, and 10 goals in the playoffs to send his team to uh, the AFCO Cup Finals. Uh, the next season in 75-76, he led the WHA in goals, assists, and points by very wide margins. Uh, he was only the second player in professional hockey to score 70 goals in a single season. 
That is impressive. Um, that year, he was attacked in the playoffs by one of the Calgary Cowboys players, suffered serious injuries, and this was actually one of the first cases that a hockey player was actually charged in court <laughs> for assault. And that following season, he came back and put up 154 points after suffering serious head injuries, um, setting a record for the most points in a professional season. Uh, he was given uh, his second league MVP award. Um, he continued to be a star for Quebec even when they entered the NHL. Um, and he was their first NHL captain in 79. Quebec re actually retired his number. He finished his career with 316 goals, 350 assists, and 666 points in the WHA. So he won a championship uh, in 77, uh, first in WHA history in goals, second in points, third in assists, won the WHA scoring titles in 76 and 78, won the Gordie Howe Trophy uh, in 76 and 78, three-time WHA first all-star team, one second all-star team, and he was in the WHA Hall of Fame in 2010. He's pretty much number two on this Mount Rushmore, right below our special guest. Has to be. <laughs> Was was Mark your was he your biggest competition? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, he was, and then Bobby was Bobby Hall. I think when I was playing, uh, the thing with Mark Tardif is he was the same type of forward as Mark Howe. He was a powerful forward, great defensive forward as well. Biggest one, the biggest mistake Montreal made. He, sh he should have finished. He should. To play his old career in Montreal. That, I mean, he would have been in the Hall of Fame. He would have been one of the best players I ever played for the Canadians. He's what you call a really, really, really good left winger. And you have left winger that can score goals. You have left winger that got good defensively. And you have left winger like Mark Howe and Mark Tardif that can do both. And I think Mark, again, because he was so quiet, he, that's why he reminds me so much of Mark Howe because. You never heard a word from Mark Tardif. You know, he never said two things. He didn't want to be interviewed. He didn't want to talk to the press. He just wanted to be left alone. He wanted to do his things on the ice and go home and be happy. But he was a tremendous hockey player. And I think the accident that happened against Rick Zazio from Calgary that year really had a big impact on him after that. He had a good year, but I think he ended up his career a lot earlier than he, he should have. And he was very successful at the ice afterwards as well. But every place he played, he was a great hockey player. And I think a lot of times management made decisions. Either they don't like you because, you see, the big, the big thing with Mark Howe when he was playing, they said, well, he's not trying hard enough. He didn't have to. He was that good. And that was a knock on Mark Tardif. He did, they didn't think he was giving 100% all the time when he was on the ice. But is 80% was probably better than 100% from somebody else. And that's how good Mark Tardif was. Um, Kevin, that was impressive. Impressive goal stats there. I, oh, that was, he's that awesome. Was so let's move on to our final player tonight, the one and only, Andre Lacroix. Of course, he was in the WHA, 72-79. He's the all-time points leader with 798 points. That's that. That is a ton of points. Fourth in goals at 251, first in assists with 547. He is second in assists per game and sixth in points per game. He played for Philly, New York, Jersey, San Diego. Yes, San Diego had a hockey team. Houston and New England. He also played for three NHL teams, which I had mentioned during the intro. And he had represented Canada internationally in that summit series, the bloodbath. We'll get into that. Um, he picked up seven points in eight games in that Summit Series, by the way. And he scored Canada's only game winner in game two. But he's a WHA first all-star team three times. He's got the Bill Hunter Trophy for leading scorer twice. 100 points in six consecutive seasons. And, of course, uh, in 2010, he was also part of the inaugural World Hockey uh, Hall of Fame class. And Vintage Hockey calls him the greatest offensive threat in WHA history. So that take that 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 that's that's some bragging rights right there. So just an amazing career, and we're going to talk about that more during our Q and A. But let me ask you just one question now about yourself: is what what actually made you leave the NHL to go to the WHA? Was it just money, or was there more to it than that? Uh, 
money was the second reason. The first reason was when I got traded to Chicago, I was not given the opportunity to play my style of game that I wanted to play. And when, when I played for the Flyers for three years, I led the team in scoring the three years I was with the Flyers. But we were winning games two to one, three to two. We, I mean, I was leading the team with like 56 points during the season. I mean, the game were all those coming in. We had a very good defensive team. So what happened was I was on my last year of my contract with the Blackhawks. And then I received a phone call from an attorney from Philadelphia. He knew I was not happy in, in Chicago. He said to me, he said, Andre, I just bought a franchise in Philadelphia and I would like you to come back here. He says, I have no idea what you're making. We said, I'll double your salary and give you a five-year deal. I said, I'm gone. At the time, I was making, in 1971, I was making $31,000 in Chicago. So I went to Philadelphia Blazers at $65,000 a year the following year. And the thing is, I became a free agent every year because I, when I negotiated my contract, one of the things that I put in my contract is that I had a clause that if the team was sold, if the team moved, if the team changed ownership, I became a free agent. So the reason I played for so many teams, and I always tried to pick the right team, is that every team I played for folded. So I became a free agent. When I played in New York, I said, I have to go to New York. They have to have a team in New York. Otherwise, the division won't survive. And three months later, the team moved to Cherry Hill, New Jersey, the worst rank in hockey. And I said, I'm going to stick with the guys. And at the end of the season, I'll make a decision. And then I went to San Diego. And then I played there for three years. And, you know, during my career, I, you know, I've had a lot of success. And everybody asks me all the time, what's a what's the most important thing that you did in hockey? And to me, it was 1974. I won the scoring title, but I had 41 goals and 106 assists. And my goal in hockey was always, if I could get 100 assists in one season, to me, it's like a baseball player batting 400. And there's only four players in the history of hockey that ever had over 100 assists in one season. Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Mario Lemieux and I were the only four that ever had at least 100 assists in one season. And I won the Athlete of the Year in Canada one year. I won, played on Team Canada. I had, you know, a lot of success. But to me, 106 assists was the biggest accomplishment in my career. That, that was a list of lists there. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right, so we're going we're gonna to move into our vote. Remember, guys, you can't vote for your own for this Mount Rushmore. So we'll each pick one, and then Andre, you get to pick your four. So, but we're gonna start with Rollo. Who's your pick tonight? Gordy Howe. He has a trophy named after him, and then he won the trophy with his name on it. Okay, <laughs> that's a good point. Paul, think about this. You'd have to be one giant idiot not to vote for Andre. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gavin, go ahead. Oh, you want to vote for I'm, JC? I think you have to go with Gordy. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, you have to the go Golden with Gordy. Jet. Going with Gordy, uh, with uh, Bobby Hall, the Golden Jet. Bobby Hall, okay. So, uh, wow, I was hoping someone was gonna pick a defenseman so I could pick a goalie here, but uh, you know, I, gosh, man, how you not have some of these defensemen on there. I think I'm going to like Andre's list a lot better than ours, but uh, I'm going to put, uh, since I can't pick my own goalie, I want a goalie on this list. I'm putting Ernie Wakely on it. So Ernie Wakely. All right. So our list is Hal, Lacroix, Paul, Wakely. Who'd be your four, Andre? Gordy. Number Gordy. one. Okay. Bobby. <laughs> number two. JC. Number three. Woo! JC. Ernie, number four. You're not going to put yourself on a list. <laughs> Look at that humility. That's humility right there. That's why he's on my list, baby. <laughs> well, let us just say you are by far the greatest WHA player Thank of all time. It so. goes without saying, man. So, Gordy, Bobby, JC, <laughs> and Ernie. All right, so let's move into our Q&A. Let's see. Gosh, Rollo, you got uh, – did you get both yours on there? I got both mine on there, Mr. Mike Adams. I cannot, <laughs> believe, I cannot believe that Tardiff 
who led the, the, the league in goals hey, and second in points is not on this list. That is insane to me. Well, the defense were not there either, you know. It is what it is. But let, let's because you talked about game. it for five hours and everybody I did not sleep. I did not. Go. That's right, Paul. You you, <laughs> you got two on the list, so you get first question. Andre, you dominated at faceoffs. What did you know that everybody else didn't? I I learned a lot from my first coach when I was fifteen years old. He taught me how to take faceoffs. And I tell people I was playing junior B at the time. And I said, he, he showed me tricks to do on a face-off. And I kept working at it, kept working at it. And I I always studied, when I was on the bench, I always studied the other players, the other center on the ice. And when I was when I was growing up in Quebec City, I used to watch hockey night in Canada on, on Wednesday night and Saturday night. I didn't watch a game. I watched the center because that's where I played. And my idol was John Belleville in Montreal. And then I love Henry Richard because Henry Richard and I were the same size. And I used to watch them while they take face up. So I always worked very hard at taking face up in practice. And I always studied the visiting players that I was playing against. Rollo. You spent most of your life playing in cold weather cities, grew up in Quebec, and then you go to San Diego to play hockey. What was that like? What was that like? Best place to play hockey. I listen, when you play in San Diego, after the game, you don't have to go home in Minnesota. Okay? You don't have to go with 10 below zero. Okay, my second my second car in San Diego, I had a friend of mine who owned a car dealership and he built he built me a, a street legal dune buggy. And that was my second car. That's what I used to go to practice with in in a t shirt and shorts. You can't beat that. I used to tell my friends that I was playing against. I used to, they used to say, it must be hard to play hockey in San Diego. I said, are you kidding me? I said, you get up in the morning, it's sunny. You go play hockey. You go to the beach. I mean, come on, that's life, man. And you get paid for it. <laughs> that's how people felt about Florida for a long time. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. So as if you take... The, the prime time players from the WHA and you went up against the prime players in the NHL at that time, who would be your line for the WHA and do you think you could have taken out the NHL All-Stars? Well, I, I think one of the best line in hockey was the Jets line with Bobby Edberg and Nilsson, to be honest with you, because they complement each other so well. Do you know what I mean? And I think if I had to play with two guys, I would play with Mark and Gordy. Mark and Gory Howe. That's who I would play with, to be honest with you. And let's face it, near the end, the best player in the NHL were no better than the best players in the WHA. The, the league were pretty even. And that's why they emerged. You know, and I, I think that the one thing that frustrates me about a lot of NHL players is they were basically downgraded the WHA. But don't forget, a lot of guys that came to the NHL if it wasn't for the WHA, they would have been in the minors. Okay, guys like Schultz, Seleski, McLeish, all these guys that went to the Flyers, the reason they came to the Flyers is because WHA started and they fly deep players. They weren't in the minors at the, in those days. So I think that if you look at the, at the stars that came from the WHA, you're talking about Gretzky, you're talking about Messi, you're talking about Mark Howe, that Ramage, you, you could go on and on and on of the guys that started the WHA that uh, end up in the NHL. But I don't think that the NHL never wanted to give us credit for what we've done to them. I agree. So tell us about the, the Summit Series. I mean... We hated the Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, the problem was, see, we were not prepared as well as they were. And the reason I say that because... We really thought that if we played physical against them, they didn't like to get hit at all. And they were dirtier than we were, but they were doing it behind you. They, they were doing it when the referee was not looking. So we tried to play physical, and that's what they wanted us to do because they said, if they take penalties, then we're going to score on the power play. And that's what happened. And I think that if we would have played the finesse game, I think we could have won a couple more games. They were, don't take me wrong, they were probably the best team that I've seen in hockey. 
They play the game the way it should be played. They put the puck where you're supposed to be, not where you are. Their defense were as good as their forward. Their goaltending was awesome, okay? But they didn't have a choice. If they didn't play well, they were going to Siberia for quite a loud, you know? So, but, you know, I think what hurt us too, when we went to Russia, we ended up playing in the Olympic size rink. That was good for them. That was not good for us because right. we didn't have the speed they had. They were used to playing a big rink and we were not. But I think that I don't think we were as prepared as we should have been against them. We didn't play the style hockey we should have played against them. I don't know if, they, if we would have beat them, to be honest with you, but I think we, it could have been a lot closer. Well, and it's always harder, too, when you put an all-star team together that doesn't play together yeah. 365 days a year like the Russians did. But I agree. Paul, go ahead. I'm confused by some things. I don't understand COVID. I don't understand who shot Kennedy, and I don't understand why Andre is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Can you answer one of those, Andre? <laughs> well, I think, you know, I don't think the – they like to recognize the success that you've had in the WHA. I really don't. Okay. When I, when I retired from hockey, I want this team to coaching. I want to coach because I coach high school. I coach college. I coach kids hockey. I know the game. I love to teach the game. I love to coach. I know the game completely. And I couldn't get an interview to coach in, hockey, in the National Hockey League when I retired from hockey. Nobody would talk to me. And uh, so, you know, it's not up to me to decide. I mean, I'm glad what I've done. I'll tell you what, I'm so happy I was one of the first guys to jump to the WHA because, I, you know, we took a chance because we knew that I was blackballed if I didn't work, to be honest with you. Okay. And then the WHA gave me a chance to prove myself to what I could do in hockey. And I've done that. And I'm, I'm proud of what I've accomplished and whatever happened, happens. Rollo? You named the two forwards you would always want to play with, but what, what starting lineup of guys that you played with, if you could form your own dream team of guys you played with, what would your lineup look like and your coach? Okay, now, I mean, would that be uh, played with on a team or does that all-star game counts? Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. All-star game, well, it doesn't matter. Okay, I mean, there's no doubt, I think, if I was to play, let's start with goalie. I would take Bernie Perrant in goal, okay? Then I would take uh, Bobby Orr and J.C. Trombley on defense, okay? And I would take Mark on left wing and Goldie on the right wing. Yeah, I think you guys will win some games. <laughs> Uh, that that that's yeah. That might be the greatest line ever put together. Yeah, I mean that that rivals uh, Canada Cup with Gretzky Lemieux line there. Right. So wow. I mean that's, that that's awesome. I mean those are awesome players. Yeah. Kevin, go ahead. What is uh, one one game or one moment that stands out in your career that you always remember? My first game in the NHL. That's a very good question because I was playing in Quebec City in the American Hockey League. And there was like 17 games to go in a season. I was leading the team in scoring, the league in scoring in, in American Hockey League by about 30 points at the time. I had six hat-tricks during the season. I was going for a record seven. I tied a record with six. And then the Flyers had some injuries. So they called me for a weekend game. First game was in Pittsburgh against Les Binkley. So I go to Pittsburgh. We tied a game 1-1 and I scored a goal on the breakaway. The next game is back in Philadelphia the next night against Minnesota. We win seven to four. I get one goal, three assists. Leon Rochefort plays with me, gets three goals. They name me the start of the game. And then the next morning, I go see Bud Poyle. I have my bag ready to go back to Quebec. Feeling that call me when, if you need me, whatever. And then Bud Poyle said to me, he said, you decide if you want to stay or go back, it's your call. And I wish you would have made the call for me. And it didn't give me much time to think about it because I had to think, okay, now in Quebec, we have a chance to win the cup. I know I would win the scoring title. I was up by 30 points. And I have a chance to score another hat trick. But I, in the back of my mind, I keep saying, 
the last 17 games, the Flyers were fighting with St. Louis for first place. This might be the best opportunity for me to gain more experience is to play in the last 17 game in the NHL. And also, as a kid, you don't want to play in the minor. You want to play in the NHL. So, but I think my first goal in my first game in the NHL, I think that was probably a big moment for me. Nice. Mostly because it was my first game. Right. So nice. we'll get you out of here with this tonight. Tell us about your book, where people can get it. You know, what's, what's it about? Well, it's about, you know, I'm, I have kind of unique situation. You know, I'm, I'm the youngest of 14 children. Wow. Seven boys, seven girls. I'm the baby. Okay. And I talk about how it was to grow up with 14 kids, 13 boys and sisters. My dad had two jobs. Uh, when I was playing youth hockey, I never had new stuff. I had to get skates that were two sizes bigger than they should be. Uh, I talk about all the contracts that I negotiated myself. I talk about every one of them. The last contract I negotiated was with Ray Clark that owned McDonald's in 1974. I was one of the highest paid players at the time. I signed a six-year contract with him for $175,000 a year. And before we negotiate the money at the time, I was looking for McDonald's franchise. And then they said to me, Buzzy Babizi was a general manager at the time. And Buzzy said to me, he said, Andre, do you know why Reggie Jackson is not playing with the Padres? Reggie was a free agent with the uh, Yankees at the time. Because first thing you want to get was a franchise. And Ray Kroc would mix business with franchise, with hockey, with baseball. So I say, if Reggie didn't get a franchise, I don't think I'll get one. So I talk about all, I didn't want to talk, I didn't want to write a hockey book. I want to talk about my life at the ice, my contract negotiation. I talk about all the salaries I made in junior in the pros. And I talk about the business I was involved with. I talk about coaches I didn't like, coaches that I liked, you know, uh, players I played with and what I thought. It's not a Jim Bottom book. So people can get it on Amazon. It's not signed or they can contact me through Facebook on Messenger. Then I'll send them a signed autograph book if they want to. Excellent. And the reason, by the way, a lot of people want to know why I call it the second snowfall. It's because when I grew up in Quebec City, we used to get our first snowfall in mid-November. And the next day, the snow was gone. And we always, I never played indoor hockey till I was 13 years old. So we had a rink at, the, at our school. So we knew when the second snowfall came, it was cold enough for the snow to stay. Then we could start playing hockey. That's why I call it after the second snowfall. Well, thank you, Andre, so much for joining us tonight. Honor. It was a pleasure. Honor. I want to remind everybody to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Join the Facebook group. Subscribe on iHeart, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can listen anywhere you want. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. Thank you very much. Thanks,